1: Kidley
2: Wright from the logo! Got it!
3: Oh, but Kidley Wright.
0: and
2: when go you know I'm Welcome into the DnBR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors I'm Henry Chisholm and uh we've we've got a lot to talk about today uh, so I heard from four offensive assistant coaches today those are let's see let's go in order here. first was Phil McGagan the new wide receivers coach. After that was Darian Hagan, the running backs coach, then Clay Patterson, the tight ends coach, and offensive passing game coordinator. Then we wrap things up with Kyle DeVan, the new offensive line coach. Uh, so so heard from all four of them. I've got audio from all four of them. What, what do I have here? I have five, ten, sixteen. I've got 22 clips from those four that we're going to get through today. And, um, it's late. It's the middle of the night. Well, it was the middle of the night. Now it's well past the middle of the night. Uh, I finally wrapped up what I was writing about, uh, or writing, yeah, finally wrapped up what I was writing about Brady. Oof. We're going to pull it together a little bit here, but going through and writing all that, and then tweeting and getting all that stuff posted, and then going back through and cutting up all this audio... Not gonna lie, it fried my brain. Plus, like I said, it is post one in the morning, and let's just dig in. <laughs> let's just dig in. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna go through these in order. And I guess I should say this is really good stuff. And and it was it was great to hear from these guys. Uh, we hadn't heard from any of them, at least like officially, since uh, their their like introductory Zoom call which was way back like a month ago, more than a month ago at this point. Um, also had a chance to talk with like Clay and Kyle quite a bit at Blake Street Tavern um, when they, they had like that whole big buffs thing um, three weeks ago, probably. It was right after the Pac-12 tournament. So yeah, right around three weeks ago. Um, so we do have some of that sort of stuff. But in terms of like official interactions, it's been a minute. And really, this is the second time ever for all of these guys. Well, <laughs> not Darian Hagan. We should say that. Darian Hagan has been around for a, a minute for sure. Um, but yeah, so there we go. Um, let's just dig in with Phil McGagan. So one of the storylines of camp so far has been that the receivers are injured. They are very, very, very injured. Um, last we heard they had six healthy receivers out there playing during camp. That was on Saturday when we talked to Carl. And we found out today from Phil that there's actually only four and a half healthy receivers. As of today, and that's because one of them was wearing, like, the blue non-contact jerseys, though. So there was, like, a, li- a little bit of non-contact stuff, like individual drills, that sort of thing. Um, but when it came time to actually play some football, because remember, today was the first day in full pads. There were only four receivers who were able to do that, and that is not enough. Um... I should have said this earlier, I guess, but the first scrimmage of falls on Saturday, there's scrimmages on the Saturdays. There are two of them that are open. One of them is this Saturday, the 9th. Um, That's at 1115 AM at Folsom field. We'll see if they have more receivers than the ones we've talked about. We'll also see like exactly who is healthy. um, And that's kind of one of the big questions at this point. Um, But that's going to be a, a fun day for sure. So make sure you get out there for that. And then the second time you can see him is the spring game on the 23rd. Um, but this Saturday is going to be a good one. And I think RJ and Montana are healthy. Um, outside of that, I think we know Chase Penry, Ty Robinson are not healthy. Uh, Maurice Bell, Jalen Jackson recovering from injuries. I'm guessing neither of them are healthy just considering the numbers so low. But we really don't know who's in there and who's not. We can start digging into what Phil had to say, though. Um, I, I really like talking to him. That's very clearly a smart guy. Like, it's obvious that he spent a lot of time in the NFL. Like that's a, that's a good coach, and these receivers are lucky to have him. Here's what he had to say about RJ Sneed.
1: Outstanding. I'm very pleased with RJ. He's an outstanding leader. Very good football player, as everybody knows. Uh, he's had great production, but he's very intelligent. Um, uh, he's, a, he's a good leader by example. He'll also pull guys to the side and, and teach them the proper uh, learning habits it takes to, to retain an offense and to, to go out and perform. So there's a process that, that goes into being successful, and he's been successful um, at Baylor. So for him to be here, uh, he's been good for us from a from a scheme and personnel standpoint as far as upgrading uh, the position, but also from a leadership role and, and what he brings to the table um, as a human being.
2: That's good stuff um definitely good to hear like the leadership sort of thing because again that's kind of what's missing right is sure you've got some other seniors you have Daniel Arias you have Maurice Bell and Jalen Jackson but for the most part it's a really young group especially when you factor in that those guys really haven't played all that much and so to have somebody like RJ come in who's an, an all big 12 performer that's a that's a that's a big step up and to have somebody like that who's, who's played, you know, remember we, we had Brady's audio. I talked to him for like ten minutes on Saturday. One of the things that he brought up was when RJ had to had to get inside a guy. You know, it's a it's a dig route. He's supposed to come across the middle. The the corner is three steps inside him. And RJ was still able to set the guy up and get him outside him and get across the middle. And that's the sort of stuff that he can do and then teach these other guys. So it's really good, especially for the receivers to have somebody like that around. And uh, it's exciting stuff. Um, let's uh, let's hit this one next. So he was basically just asked, you know, you've been in the NFL for for quite a while. Is there a difference coming back to college football? What's that transition like?
1: You know, just the, sp- the splits are different. So the numbers, you know, the numbers are a little different, and the hashes are different. Um, you know, you can't talk to the quarterback, you know, with a headset. So everything is signal. You got to control it that way. So There's just little procedural uh, differences uh, that are are taken adjustment from. from, But other than that, as far as the technique and fundamentals, uh, my coaching is exactly the same as I would um, any of the NFL teams that I've coached. So there's still a teaching progression. There's fundamentals technique that have to kind of evolve. So uh, there are differences in the game. You know, as far as blocking downfield and all the different rules that are. Uh, one foot as opposed to two, so there, there's some variations that that take a little bit of adjustment uh, to get used to. But other than that, um, it, it's been relatively smooth.
2: Again, yeah, makes sense, and it, it's just the fact that he knows all the differences, right? Which isn't like a, like his job is to know football. And when you're making that change, of course, you you've looked into those things. But again, just understands what's going on, very much on top of everything, and knows what he's doing and what he needs out of these guys. It's good stuff. Um, one of the guys who you want to see him get more out of Daniel Arias. You know Daniel's a guy. He's 23 now. I think he's going to be 24 by the time the season starts. That's a veteran player, and and at points he's he's made some big plays. You know, remember that Texas A&M game where he has six catches. It's been really hit or miss though, and the misses have been louder than the hits. With the tools that Daniel has, being as big as he is, as fast as he is, as strong as he is. You know that there's some potential there. Uh, here, here's what Phil McGagan had to say about Daniel Arias.
3: Oh, man. He's got, obviously physically yeah. gifted.
1: But... So, you know, he's got class today, so you yeah. can see Daniel, either so or we short number. So i would be in shorter numbers than having a guy go to a, a business class. He's got a 3.5 or 3.6 in in business school and doing well and will graduate this semester. But in the, this is the first practice that he missed uh, due to a class conflict. But the three prior practices, uh, I've seen him take some very remarkable steps for somebody um, in such a short period of time. It's very important to him. Um, he is here all the time working on his body, doing extras in the classroom, studying. Um, he has a lot of questions and meetings. Uh, I've been very pleased with Daniel's progression, and he's a guy who I'm really counting on this year to take a, to that, that next
3: step.
2: Again, it's it's what you want to hear. Um I think, so, so obviously there's the there's only four and a half receivers who are out there. Daniel Arias was not out there because he was off at class. We do know that, at least for the first practice, and you'd imagine in the practices since then, he had a cast on his hand. So, again, we don't know, like, how, how was he limited in those? Was he just playing through it? Seems like it'd be tough to do, considering your job is literally just to catch a football and there's a big old thing on your hand. But... We'll see exactly what his status is on Saturday, but he's a guy to watch, right? You know, if there's somebody whose potential just hasn't been unlocked in that receivers room, I think he's pretty easily the first guy you point at. And now a Phil McGaggin there, who knows? Maybe there's a chance to to really get some consistent production out of him. Um, let's see. We got two more clips here from Phil McGaggin before we move along. Uh, this next one is basically just talking about uh, how how you use the players that you have and it's obvious that again this is a very NFL approach to understand the strengths and weaknesses to really dig in to put them in situation to have them run routes that they're good at running catch balls where they're good at catching balls get the guys who are good at running after they catch the catch of ball but but here's here's what he had to say we' only a handful of practices in do you feel like you have a good grasp of you know what what each guy provides and what they might need to work on.
1: Yeah, I think we have a pretty good assessment. I mean, I've watched every string of tape. The beautiful thing about film is it lasts forever, right? You know, it's there. So I watched every one of their reps that they've participated in here, and you in some cases in high school. So we have an idea of what they do uh, physically. So I, I think yeah we're gonna try to play their strengths but there's also some deficiencies or else we wouldn't have only won four games so we have to get better in a lot of different areas so I think it's being honest and forthright about what we need to improve on Um, and then Accentuating their positives, so do the things that they've done well their whole lives, and then really refining the areas that they need to improve on. And I think that's what we've tried to do is really hone in on those those things and just be honest in our evaluations um, at the
2: receiver position. When you're looking at those deficiencies, is there like yeah. is there like a, a trend that you're seeing throughout the group?
1: No, everybody, I think more it's more physiologically based as far as like the sports science behind every, like I'm taller, so it's going to be harder for me to sink and change direction as opposed to like a Jalen Jackson who's really short and quick and, and, and uh Maybe short's a bad word, but, you know, he's not—he's vertically challenged. He's not quite as tall as one of the other guys. So, But he's going to have more change of direction, more vertical speed. So we would try to design plays schematically that would accentuate his strong points, you know, and probably not put him into, like, these red zone fade situations, you know, like, things like that. So just trying to be um, calculated with how we deploy our weapons and then trying to use ones, you know, the right tools, you know, for the right jobs. All
2: right. One more, uh, one more quick clip here from... Uh from from Phil before we move along um, but, but this is just kind of building off that last one and I thought that it was interesting here I'll, I'll let you hear it first
1: yeah so we, we don't teach like oh you're the X and you're the Z like we teach concepts like right off the bat so just the whole offense so they don't get assigned a position to the day of practice you know, so you're responsible for X and F you're responsible for Z and X so we can cover all of the different personnel that will come into to, to play during the course of practice Um, So I think it's important that they learn football. They learn coverage recognition, they understand all the formations, they understand all the assignments and how the spacing and the pass game works and the blocking assignments. So um, we've had football school throughout the winter and where it's a, a comprehensive football program where we teach them everything that they would need to know for the game to slow down, where they understand schematically how we're trying to pry open different zones, how you need to stair, step and flatten versus man. Uh, what what routes convert versus East coverage. So when you understand that, and that is part of the progression as well, um, the game slows down and then you're able to catch more passes, win more games, be more effective on the program.
2: You know, I like it. There's a couple things that really stand out to me. Um, First of all, like they don't just teach guys their position. You know, it'd be easy to take Chase Penry and just say, figure out what the slot does on all these plays because guess what? That's where you're going to be um same thing with the outside receivers, whichever position you want to stick them in but instead it's here's here's what you do but then also getting the assignment every day of what position you're playing that day or what what multiple positions you're playing that day again just making sure everything's well rounded and i think that it's first of all it just makes it easier to evaluate what guys are good at and what they're not right like if, if you get to see them do all these different things you know which ones work and you know which ones don't um, but on top of that, just building a bigger understanding of what is happening on the field, always a good thing, and it seems like that's kind of what Phil McGagn all about. Next up, uh, let's let's touch on Darian Hagen. So um, we got five clips here. I think I think we can just jump right in. So he was basically just asked, "What's it like coaching coaching Alex Fontenot?
0: Well, it's, it's been hard not hard to coach him because he's so talented it's been uh it's been hard to reach him as far as you know make him laugh and, you know being being jovial with him and all that stuff but he's a guy that uh when he puts the helmet on tiger comes out and yeah, dude is he's a baller and you know you don't have to say a lot he, re- he retains the information and he uh, on on the days that we have to worry about him going to work. He's gonna to go to work. Yeah, he's he's an awesome, coach.
2: Kind of an interesting answer, right? Like, I think that that was a pretty simple question, but still like to hear it's kind of hard. Like, that's uh it's what you want to hear about a running back. You know, there there's some positions, you know, your receivers, whatever, they can kind of not not just like goof off out there, but but a running back in particular really does need to be in the mindset of I'm about to run as hard as I can into this guy and he's going to go backwards when I do it, you know, and, and if it doesn't work, well, guess what? I'm the one who gets blamed. You know, if, if an offensive lineman is trying to block the guy in front of him and you know, it doesn't work out, winds up getting pushback, whatever the the guy, the def- defender goes and tackles the running back in the backfield. Everybody looks at the running back like as, as important as offensive linemen are, they don't always get as much blame because it isn't so obvious, you know. There, there's numbers that say whether running back is good or not, and and so you do want that sort of mentality. Um, interesting though, just to hear that he's that intense. Um, here's here's more on Fontenot. Again, it's basically pointing out like Alex has been around for forever, but he's backed up Phil, he's backed up Jarek. he's backed up Trayvon. There's 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 one year that he was really in control. And here's here's what Darian had to say.
0: I do, I do. Now I see the, the competitive fire between him and Dion. You know, they're uh, it's funny when we go first team; those guys are doing rock paper scissors, you know, to see who gets the first rep. So I'm not even saying who who's getting the reps. I let them decide. You know, keeping the, keeping the competitive fire amongst the group, and it's been it's been good thus far.
2: So. Again, it's pretty clear here that the competition right now, at least, is between Alex Fontenot and Dion Smith. Not a surprise. I mean, once Ramon Jefferson gets onto campus, and, and we'll hear Darian talk about him in a couple minutes, then things change a little bit. But right now, it's really those two. And um, I, I didn't include the audio because it's too long and doesn't make sense to include it. Uh, but but Dion will not wear a brace. He's not wearing a brace right now. Remember, he he's... Came back from the knee injury last year, but wore that brace on his knee. That's off now. And uh, on top of that, uh, the the one note from Darian was he needs to improve in pass protection. Again, I didn't cut that clip up. I did cut this clip out of Darian talking about Jaylee Stacks. So Jaylee now going into his third season. As crazy as that sounds. And it sounds pretty, pretty crazy. Um, Jaylee... Is um you know 5'11, 235, and odds are he's he's kind of a fullback, but we won't really see. Here's here's what Darian Hagan had to say. Oh, you're gonna
0: see him. He has a role, you know. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Jay Lee is you know, he's he was stuck behind a bunch of guys, you know, and those guys by you know, those guys leaving opened up a, you know a door for him and you know, he's bought into you know being an F, which is our fullback, and being a tailback. You know, he has a role, and I told him if you buy into your role, you'll be rewarded, and he's he's doing that right now.
2: That's exciting stuff for sure because, you know, again, that's kind of a position that's been missing at CU. You know, you haven't seen them use a fullback all that much, except for Jay Lee at, at various times over the course of the last couple seasons. Um, obviously, Brady Russell will line up back there sometimes, but that's, that's a little bit of a different look, you know, he, Jay Lee is 5'11", 235. Again, full back build. Even even for somebody like Brady, who he's gotta be listed 6'3, 255 would be my guess. I'm pulling it up right here to see if I get close. Um But but that's just a very different body type. And the leverage changes 6'3-250. I'm pretty proud of myself for getting that close. Um It'd be fun to see Jaylee out there, especially because we know that, again, it's not like he's somebody who can't carry the ball, right? You know, he he can just take the ball and run, and, and that's a lot of fun. You know, you can throw him the ball. And it's not like just one of these – it's easy to put a fullback in a box and just say, oh, you're somebody who's out there just to block. It's kind of lame. No, he can get the ball, and he can make plays happen as well. Um, two more. Hear from Darren Hagan before we move on to Clay Patterson. Next up, in this new offensive scheme, like what, what changes for the running backs?
0: Uh, plays are plays. You know, I think the thing that's different is probably our footwork is, is different. Uh, you know, we our eyes and, and things like that, you know, are different in, in in the past. In the past, you know, we were wide open and you know, we tried to spread people out so you had gashes. And now you have to be Really disciplined with your eyes, and you have to press the line of scrimmage. You have to stretch it, you know. If you run an outside zone, you got to stretch it and pierce it. Things like that, just little things like that. But you know, I'm I'm happy with my group. These guys are they they they're fired up. They keep me fired up, and you know, not one time have I had to raise my voice, you know. So that's been a that's been a blessing. And I go home happy. My wife is happy. So it's all good.
2: I'm pretty sure. And I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm not absolutely sure. I'd have to run back through everything to double-check. But I'm pretty sure that's the first time that we've heard somebody say, you know, it kind of is an outside zone scheme. And, you know, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, really, because it is, I mean, it's Carl Durrell, West Coast offense, um, would be your guess. Mike Sanford, though, has run a bunch of different things, and so you don't know exactly what... Is his offense right because it wasn't his offense last year, that was a PJ Fleck offense last year. Um, but you would expect that the outside zone, which again is like kind of the hot thing in football right now, the West Coast offense is the hot thing in football right now, and so it's going to be a lot of fun to see the Buffs go to that. Um, and and kind of be at the forefront of what's happening. Um, Because, you know, you still, I guess, especially in college football, you do see a lot of those spread offenses still. But that's, uh, uh, as crazy as it sounds like that, it feels kind of 2017 at this point. Like, you know, you want that Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey and Kyle Yuschek, when we're talking about Jay Lee Stacks, like those sorts of guys running this thing. You know, the, the Packers are running the West Coast offense off the outside zone. Um, the, I mean, again, like the Chiefs and the 49ers and the Rams are the big names. But, but again, we're naming basically all of the good football teams. Um, so again, I, I'm not sure that that was the first time we heard outside zone. I know we've been speculating on this podcast a lot and just guessing that there would be a lot of that. Um but that's a lot of fun. And I think it fits the personnel well. Um as he said, you know, it's it's a little bit different if when you're running it because the idea is first of all it's kind of this race to the edge, but also, you know, it's it's just as good to not get the edge. But have the defense overcommit to the edge and hit that cutback lane as soon as it comes open. And so it's really an offense or at least a, a, a running game that's built off of trying to force the defense to overcommit to the edge and then cutting back as soon as you possibly can. Um, as soon as that hole comes open and trying to beat them back the other way. Or if they don't overcommit because they're so worried about that because you beat them there a couple times, and then you hit the outside. And I, how did Darian say it? I think it was like you have to stretch, then pierce. That's that thing, stretching the edge, and then bang, just cut right back up through. Uh, I would be very, very excited. I would be very excited if we're going to be getting a lot of outside zone. Um, But that's a a football nerd thing, and uh, we don't need to go too much farther down that road. Uh, Last clip here from Darian Hagen, and this is him talking about Ramon Jefferson, the running back, the grad transfer running back who's going to be a senior, coming over from Sam Houston, who isn't on campus yet, but will be getting here over the summer.
0: He's a he's a guy that has unbelievable balance and burst. You know, he's a guy. He's low to the ground, so he's a guy that, you know, he's not going to be stumbling around back there. He's going to always have his low center of gravity. He's going. He's a guy that loves contact and he, he loves to drive his feet and, and break contact. So second, he's a second level guy, and I and I always tell a group, you know, second level guys sometimes you got to be, be your and blocker, and I think he'll he'll provide that for us.
2: Strong back. Physical, good vision, good balance. Like again in these in these sorts of systems, that's exactly what you're looking for. Or or just like a little speed guy. Um though but those are like hit or miss. Again, Jarek could have been a decent fit, but we don't need to go down that road either. Um we gotta get through what Clay Patterson had to say. He gave more hints actually about what this offense will look like. Kyle Devan had some really interesting stuff, especially just like about how to how how he is approaching teaching these guys how to block the way he wants them to block, especially because he's kind of building from the ground up. So we're going to get to all that stuff. Real quick, though, want to remind you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. I love Breckenridge Brewery. I say that all the time. They make all sorts of good beers. Um, and let's see, when's the next time? I guess I've got practice tomorrow night, so I won't be having any Breckenridge beers tomorrow tomorrow. Um, Thursday. Thursday, I think I might be going to that Nuggets game. Ooh, also on Thursday, DU's hockey team is in the Frozen Four. They play Michigan. I'm going to be down at the bar to watch that. It's at 3 o'clock on Thursday. So if you, like me, don't have anything to do Thursday afternoon, come watch that game. I think they're going to have the game sound on at the bar. It's going to be a good time. Um, and I, I'm going to hang out there, watch that, watch the end of the Masters. Well, end of the first day of the Masters. And then head over to that Nuggets game. So definitely will be some Breckenridge beers on that day. <sighs> I'm still hoping for Michael Porter to come back. Maybe I need some Vanilla Porter Juniors in my life. I don't know. You really can't go wrong, though. Definitely use that beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up whatever beer you want to try. Uh, like I said, you can't go wrong, so make sure you uh, figure out what you want. Go get it, and you will not be disappointed. Also, if you are looking for food, which, again, at this late night, Late in the night. See, I'm not. I'm dropping words right now. I'm so tired. Pizza sounds really good. Pizza sounds really good. I mean, any food sounds good. Your body kind of tricks you into thinking like I need another meal when you you know that that's not true. You know that it's time to go to bed. It's time to to sleep. Until I could sleep. Till, I guess I have to send in my interview request by 11:30. But that means I'll send uh, set an alarm at like 11:15, then go back to sleep. Because again going to be another late night tomorrow because <laughs> practice is a little bit late, but it's whatever. Point is, Sexy Pizza in particular is the pizza that I would love right now and just about any other time of my life. they go pretty well with those Breckenridge beers too. They've been a part of the community here in Denver for over 13 years. They've got a bunch of different locations. Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, Park Hill, a new one in Trinidad now. They have all different sizes of pizza. They have... Wings, salad, pasta, knots, dessert options, vegan options, gluten-free crust. I mean, you just cannot go wrong. So, make sure that you're checking out Sexy Pizza it is very, very good pizza. Okay. Um, let's see. How are we doing here? So, we're through the first 10 clips. We've got 12 more. So, let's keep it rolling. Uh, up next is Clay Patterson. So, again, Clay comes over with Mike Sanford from Minnesota. He is now coaching the tight ends as well as serving as the passing game coordinator, which has been a point of emphasis, uh, from Carl Durrell. He wants the ball to get spread around more. He wants more touches for the tight ends in particular. And that's kind of why he he put this whole situation together. And, uh, because of that, we've seen Eric Olson, the freshman tight end third year, freshman, no second, second year, freshman tight end, um, kind of tear up camp. We didn't get any numbers today, but I'm pretty sure Carl said practice one, he had eight catches, then five catches the next one, then four catches the next one. And Again, this is not an offense where the tight end is really all that involved, or at least that's been the case the last decade or so. Um, Things are changing now, though. Here's what Clay Patterson had to say about Eric Olson.
4: Yeah, you know, Eric's Eric's done a really good job. He's a smart, smart player. uh, Great kid, and he understands... Um, you know, what we wanted him to do and he executes it you know, at a higher rate for a young, young kid. And um, So it's exciting to see him get a catch in balls. You know, they were all excited. But our, I think just as an offense as a whole, you see the distribution of the football uh, around, you know, to the receiver group, the tight end group, and the running back group. It's fun to see a lot of guys get a lot of balls. And I was very happy to see Eric, and uh, you know, he really enjoyed it, too, getting, getting that many balls in a short, short period of time.
2: You know, you hear him say spread the ball around, get it to the backs. That's the kind of stuff that you want to hear Um, because there were not a lot of targets for running backs or tight ends in that last offense, and I don't know why that is. It could be blamed on a bunch of different people. The fact that the offensive coordinator is also the wide receivers coach and, you know, the receivers are the ones getting the ball, is there some connection there? Who knows? I don't need to be digging into that this late at night, though. Um, Next clip. Clay is talking about the new offense and it's it's kind of like what we were talking about before. I think people can kind of put Mike Sanford in the box, you know, you it what 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 is that saying like you are what you most recently did or like whatever I can't remember what it is. The point is Mike Sanford was just running that Minnesota offense the last couple years, a Minnesota offense that, you know, it's it's ground and pound to say the least. They 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 not only want multiple tight ends, they want extra offensive linemen out there on the field as well. They want to run RPOs and that's kind of their passing game. Again, coaches look at the RPOs as runs. You know, if if they call an RPO, that's calling a run. Um, when they go go back and count that sort of stuff. Typically. I, I maybe everywhere. I think it, it might be every coaching staff. There might be some others that well it doesn't matter. The point is they're running the ball a lot when they throw the ball, they're giving themselves the option to run the ball even. Because of that when he comes over, you wind up thinking this is kind of what the Buffs are going to do. Here's what Clay Patterson had to say about what this offense will look like.
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be something that uh people are going to enjoy um you know seeing because it's it's fun to see Coach Sanford in this element and you know, and put all the things that he's all the systems he's been in into one and and to build it with him. Uh you know, and and I know I get a lot of the RPO stuff you know that I did and and we did it in Minnesota, everybody thinks that's kind of what we are, but you know, Mike's very multiple in what we do, and then we add in Coach McGagan, who is an NFL receiver coach, and our concepts, I mean, we have a lot of answers, we have a lot of things for um, a lot of different coverages. So it's gonna be very multiple and, and it's been really fun to collaborate that. It's really great for me. I love being around NFL guys, I haven't been around that a lot, and, and having Coach Jarrell and Coach McGagan around has been awesome for me and, and just putting all the things together, and you'll see all those dimensions of um, of our offense as we as we build this thing the best thing is is we're not setting a stone into, like, we have to be this, we have to be that. Whatever our personnel personnel allows us to be, we're going to be able to do that in this system, uh, which gives our kids the best chance to be successful.
2: That's what you want to hear. And, again, like, these are young coaches. They they see what people are saying. They're on Twitter. And the fact that he starts it out with, uh, like, you know, people are going to enjoy this. I, th- I think that that's maybe pushing back against some of that sentiment that you hear. Um, or, or, I mean, you haven't heard it so much recently, but heard quite a bit of when these hirings were first made. So again, don't put them in a box. Let's wait to see what they do. And honestly, don't even judge them by this first scrimmage that's coming on Saturday, because if you wind up having five receivers who you can put on the field, guess what? There's going to be a lot of running the ball. There's going to be a lot of tight ends on the field and uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Here's, here's actually some more on that, though, in particular talking about, you know, what it looks like to actually get together and build an offense.
4: Oh, yeah, man. You know, we we're down Pearl. You didn't see us now. they just build the offense. No, we, were, <laughs> we, we get in the room, and, and, and we have a base, and we have a start, and, and Mike has a, um, you know, he has a, a vision of what he wants. Uh, and then we collaborate together to make that. You know, we've all been in a ton of systems with different signals, different huddles, different calls, different ways to do it, and we built it together. And it's actually, you know, it was a lot of fun to be honest with you. You know, it's people as football coaches when I mean, we're we still coach football, it's still a game, and and to be able to do that and just build offenses and have fun doing it. And I mean, it was a blast to be real honest with you. And and having Coach McGagan in there and just like like he, he he's been around the NFL and to see all the different. You know, if you ask him, if you want to see something like he literally has a cut up about anything you've ever seen in your life. I mean, I think he, he had uh, the greatest show on turf. I don't remember what year that was with Marshall Falk watching a route today. It looked like I was like, "Coach, is that a video game?" Because it looked it was probably off of a VHS, you know, somewhere. So um, it's been fun to have this many minds and to learn. And as a football coach, you're always growing, you know. And 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 we've been able to grow as a staff, and this staff is awesome. It's great people and, and great guys to be around.
2: You know, you look at these young coaches and kind of wonder. Everybody is where they are for a reason, right? Like, you don't just leave Minnesota to go to coach the tight ends at Colorado and just be like, oh, yeah, you know, just was kind of in the mood. You know, there's, there's some real thought that goes in behind it. Now, obviously, being the passing game coordinator – that's a title upgrade I'm sure that that came with like an increase in pay so those things help but then you also look at it especially when you hear Clay see the say the things that he was saying especially about like working with Phil McGagan, um and 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 you start to wonder you know is this is he looking at this as kind of like his chance not only to learn from these guys but to kind of take some of that and potentially propel himself to an NFL job because you know it's he, he talked a little bit about taking those NFL jobs and, and talking or not taking about taking those jobs, but working with NFL guys and being excited to finally work with NFL guys. Um, and you know, that's, that's what Carl Durrell, Phil McGagan Chris Wilson, all of them can really provide is, is that sort of knowledge on top of that. You know, Carl was even talking about uh, on Saturday, how clay, you know, he isn't even just a tight ends coach. You know, he's, he's a coach who's coached different skill positions, and I could see Clay saying, you know what, if I can go coach tight ends at Colorado and learn how to coach receivers at the highest level from Phil McGagan and Carl Durrell, and on top of that, I get to say, when you know I go into my NFL interview for a wide receivers job, I get to say, well, guess what? I was the passing game coordinator as well. I'm not just a tight ends coach. I, I've worked with these positions. I worked with the some of the very best coaches when it comes to receivers in the game. And on top of that, I was coordinating the passing game. That's that's a really good, strong resume for somebody like Clay Patterson if things work out, right? Like, if it turns out the passing game sucks, then it's like, well, yeah, you coordinated a bad passing game. But, but you know, you, you, you I, I feel like over this last few days hearing, first of all, Carl talk about Clay Patterson and also hearing Clay talk for himself, that is kind of the picture I got. And again, just the the level of enthusiasm from all these guys is obvious as well. And maybe that should be even the bigger takeaway here. Um, But I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a nerd about this stuff. But I am really, really curious to see what this offense looks like. Um, Because again, like West Coast offense built on the outside zone Oh my goodness, what more could you be asking for? Right? Like in in football in 2022, like that is that's that's where all the fun stuff is. You know, when you see these highlight plays, these crazy things that are going on, um, these these high powered offenses, this is where it all starts. And maybe it's because I'm delirious at two in the morning, but I'm pretty fired up about all this. Um we can keep moving along. Uh, let's talk about Brady Russell. Let's talk about Brady Russell.
4: It, it's been a, a lot of fun because I, I left a guy that, that loved country music uh, and being violent and hitting people and, and had long hair and had this image. And I literally went and I picked up and I have another one. And it's, and he's, it's just like what I came from. And he's, just, he's made this transition for me very smooth. Um, and I think Brady takes a lot of pride in being the older guy in the room of what this tight end room is going to be when he leaves. What's his legacy of this room? When I mean, you talk about a kid that walked on and then has become a, one of our best players on this football team, and um, he's great to be around. I love, love being around him every day, and uh, he challenges me every day, and he has a new country song for me every day. We both <laughs> like red dirt country music, so uh, he's got something for me every day about, Coach, you got this song. He's got the music on every day when we come in. Uh, he's such a positive person, too. I know you guys have been around him. He's just a light when you're around him, and he, he leads this football team in, in, a, in a positive way.
2: So maybe a little bit of bromance going. I like to think that there's a little bit of a bromance going. Um, we can keep moving along though. Here's a little bit more on Brady, um, in particular about the idea that he's he's kind of working like a vet at this point. You know, he's he's another one like Daniel Arias. It's like he's going into his sixth season. He doesn't. He, he's seen a lot of things. Here's here's what uh, here's what Clay said.
4: Well, I mean, like you get accumulation of reps, you know, and Brady in five years has had a lot of accumulation of reps. It's not exactly in our system, but he's smart enough to to be able to take reps in different walk-through situations where we don't have to put him in the most physical situations. And it allows the other guys to get caught up. Because our goal in the, as a program this spring and as a room was for the, the veterans to take the next step, but the, the, the floor to rise. You know what I mean? And that's what's happening in the room right now is he's bringing those guys up with him, but they're reps. Every rep he doesn't take, one of them take it. And we get better as a football team for that. Um, but you know, he's, he's, just, he's treating everything like a professional. His body is his, is his business right now, and he's doing a great job of understanding
2: that there you go um I, this is just struck me but you know where where is t not tc mccartney sorry um taylor embry um taylor embry you know for example he uh he was the colorado's tight ends coach in 2020 next year he goes on to be the the running backs coach for the jets you know, so as Clay Patterson, I wonder, like again, like obviously same position, doing the same thing, another young coach, like I think that if you're Clay, it's pretty easy to look at that and be like, huh, yeah, that's uh. they already moved one guy up from this spot, throwing all those other things we talked about, but that's, we, we don't need to be going down that rabbit hole again, Um, how about Austin Smith? Let's end with this. This is a short one, Um, but this is uh, Clay Patterson when talking about the tight ends. Here's here's something he threw in about the freshman who, again, we talked about this on Saturday, but Austin was one of the last additions to last year's recruiting class. That makes him a redshirt freshman this year, and he's a tight end, but he came from an offense that didn't use tight ends. So they basically put him as a slot receiver in their spread offense.
4: Austin Smith is a guy that we don't talk a lot about. He's had a great spring so far. Um, you know, he came from a small town in Texas, and you know, we're teaching him to block and do all these things. and, and He's excited to watch because he's got fluidity and movement, uh, and he's not, you know, not scared to be physical. And, and He can run. He can really run.
2: I think there's a chance that the Buffs are going to use a lot of different tight ends this year. I think they have the five on the roster. Obviously, Brady's kind of number one, but. You know you have an Austin Smith there. You can line them up next to each other. You can flex Austin out into the slot if you want to. You can you can put Austin on the line and put Brady in the backfield. Now, all of that is without even bringing up Eric Olsen, who's kind of been the star of camp. So, could you put all three of them next to each other with a running back behind and a big receiver outside? Oh, yeah, you could. And guess what? You could move them around from there, too. Or you could spread them out. You could put different guys in the slot, motion them in, play them in the slot, and run these outside zones. Guess what? You've got some good blockers out there. So there's a lot of versatility that comes with having good tight ends. And in particular, like the buffs have diverse tight ends. And so you can kind of get stuck thinking like, oh, this guy's a good blocker and a good receiver, and then switch it up, and it's Austin Smith doing the same thing, except guess what? Good blocker, good receiver most importantly he's crazy fast and he just ran by you up the seam and you didn't see it coming because you're so worried about all this stuff underneath the Eric Olson and whoever so again the if if used correctly and that's that's the big question with all of this you could really see some big things happening um, with the tight ends with the passing game in general but again we just have to kind of wait and see Um, that's it for Clay Patterson though we can uh, we can Head to Kyle Devan, the new offensive line coach, and this will kind of wrap things up. You remember Kyle Devan comes over from Michigan, another young coach, another coach who's kind of one of those up-and-comers. Uh, he, he he played in the NFL, was an offensive lineman in the NFL. I think he was the right guard. Yeah, he. I think he was the right guard in the Super Bowl that uh, the the Colts won against the Saints. I believe they. Yeah, they won that one. They won that one. Um, So, again, working with Peyton Manning next to Jeff Saturday, good stuff. Uh, Winds up, he's an assistant offensive line coach for the Saints in 2015. Um, He's an offensive line coach at Arizona 2019-2020. He was an offensive analyst last year at Michigan, and that was a Michigan offensive line that was named the best offensive line in the country. So, some good stuff. And also, the team made the college football playoff. But good resume, a 37-year-old coach, and uh, again, this is the second time we had a chance, at least like on the record, to talk to him. And uh, these clips are a little bit longer, and there's six of them, but these are these are it. We're going to wrap things up here. Um, here he is talking about just what this offensive line has kind of been through over the past few years, you know, bringing in Mitch Rodriguez, Mitch Rodriguez leaving, Vallejo's filling in, Vallejo's being replaced. Here you go.
3: Yeah, I think anytime um, you go you go through a coaching change, and, and really it's been a couple of them, right, in my room, for the, especially for the older guys, you know, you got to be conscious of it and, and understand you know, you're not going to come in and, at least in my opinion, just come in and just change shop and say this is how we are going to do it and be, and be like a, you know, it'd be, you know, a dictator, right? I, I want them to understand this is uh, this is us, this is we, this is how we're going to do it, and, and, uh, and you know, couple that with getting them to buy in and, and trust that, that I have their best interest in mind. Uh, that's the best thing, you know, I've been around as a player and as a coach and I've seen, you know, be the most successful. So uh, the more as we got to know each other in, in through January and February, you know, the more we built that trust and that relationship. Um, and now, you know, they're starting to see, you know, the stuff that, that I teach is, is is favorable to some of them. You know, obviously it might be a little bit different than what they learned in the past, but, you know, I'm trying to figure out what, um, makes each individual special, right? They all have talent. Uh, you, you don't play in the Pac-12 without some type of talent, so I'm trying to get the most out of each individual kid. Uh, still have a, uh, a baseline for, for the whole group, but then maximize each one's individual skill.
2: Kyle DeVan does not have an easy job. Um, and, I, I, I mean, we all know this, but I think sometimes it's good just to say it again. But, again, remember what he's walking into. Last year, Colorado's offensive line was really bad. And and there's a bunch of reasons for that. And I think that they have a bunch of talent, as he said. Like, they have a bunch of talent. You know, some of the issues were that they were kind of young at positions. You know, Jake Wiley, he's a young guy out there. The coaching was not good quarterback play behind it was not good and, and because of that you know the the, the defense kind of crept up and when the defense creeps up it makes it tougher to, to block everybody in the right so again there's there's a bunch of different reasons for the struggles last year but the point is he's taking over a struggling group and turning that into a good group even with the talent that they have is going to take some work and uh just is worth remembering that right now, and it'll be worth remembering that when they inevitably have a bad game at some point this season. Um,. His approach to the starting lineup. So, again, we, we know that for the, the beginning of practice, uh, they had Frank Phillip and Jake Wiley at the tackles, that Casey Roddick and Tommy Brown as the guards, then Noah Fenske as the number one center, with Austin Johnson being the number two center, and Carson Lee number three. So that's kind of what we know about how things started. But here's here's what Kyle had to say about the lineup. There's
3: no... There's no starting guys. there's just a group that goes out there with the first group and a group that goes out there with the second group and it changes. Um, it's going to change consistently and it's not you know it's not about finding the starting five. It's about finding the best five. And then when you find the best five, it's about the best pairing of those five individuals. Who is the best who has the most feel when you talk about combination blocks whether it's in the gap scheme or zone schemes. who, who communicates the better? Some guys are, you know, lack, vocal skills on the football field, right? I can't change, I I work on it, but we can't change some guys that become mutes. Well, if I get a guy who doesn't talk as much next to a guy who maybe talks more, you know, that could be a good pairing. So we're trying to find that through the spring, trying to find, uh, you know, the the top five and then six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and and kind of rank them that way. Because if you deserve to play, you're going to freaking play. At the end of the day, it's it's not just first five. Well, if we got six, seven, eight, and they deserve it, they're going to get opportunity on, on Saturdays.
2: I like that approach, I think, um, especially in college football. Um, I think that, you know, first of all, what he said, you know, there's no starters. Of course, at this point, there's definitely no starters. You let everybody compete, and that's the correct way to do things. You don't name starters before you've gotten to your fifth practice as the offensive line coach. Um, But the idea that you figure out who your best guys are, and honestly, like he said, kind of just rank them all out. Who's number 7? Who's number 11? Whatever. Just keep going through and figure out how to get on the field and then figure out how these combinations work. Again, you mostly just like hearing that that much thought was put into it. And that's kind of because the bar was set pretty low for, for Kyle Devan just based on what's happened here in the past. So I like that approach. And like I said, I specifically like in college football. You know, you, you get to the NFL and think about how those defensive fronts work. And it's like, okay... You're playing whatever. You're playing against a base three-four defense, so they run the three-four. And how does that work? Well, you basically know that the, the the nose tackle is going to be this massive guy. He's going to be 330 pounds minimum, and it kind of goes up from there. You know, you're, you're you're those outside guys, those outside linebackers that are going to be lining up on the edges. They're going to be like 240. They're going to be fast. Maybe they're more physical. Maybe that that Jadavian Clowney type. But even that, compared to like a true defensive end, is a very different. Be- In college football. Things are not so structured, right? Like the, the defensive tackles you face don't all kind of fit that prototypical mold. There's some like Mustafa Johnson who go out there and they're five foot eleven. There's there's others who are like that Jalen Sami nose tackle. So when when you don't have this consistency in your opponents, I think it makes sense just to say who are five guys, oh guess what? Are our left tackles six foot four? Well, it is what it is. You don't necessarily need the 6 foot 7 34-inch arm guy because you're not going up against Von Miller every week, right? Like you can you can make up for some of those things. So I like that approach. Again, the, the best part obviously is the way he talks it through. You know, you you put the smart guy next to the not smart guy. You put the communicator not next to the not communicator. You you all these sorts of things that are just what it takes. And I think that those are the sorts of things that you learn when... I mean, first of all, you have to be a smart guy, but also playing pro football and and realizing, like, okay, to do things at the very highest level, to really, really maximize what we have here, we have to put these pieces together right. And I, I like the approach. I like the approach. Um, I will say I don't love the idea of playing more than five guys, but, you know... It, it is what it is, and we'll see if it actually happens anyway. Uh, here's, here's what he said about the Buffs' newest addition, the Alabama transfer, Tommy Brown.
3: Uh, Tommy's been a great addition. Uh, you know, really has. He great, has a great foundation uh, coming from, come from uh, his previous school, and, and uh, he's obviously worked with, uh, with some really good offensive line coaches. So his knowledge of the game has, has really helped the younger guys. Uh, he, you know he's been a, he's been a great leader in that sense because you know we got older guys we got some and y- we got younger guys and, and you know we have a positive leader like Tommy it's it's a good thing for the room uh, and then you bring a big guy that's that's strong and physical he he helps the Buffaloes become better. Did it's you
2: see the NIL leadership.
3: deal? Which one? The underwear one. Oh yeah no I saw yeah I saw him <laughs> he uh, he's uh, he's he looks good.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know? Right. It's, it was amazing, I saw the video, I saw the, the pictures, it's, it's, a, it's a funny world we live in.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> when Tommy you know, Coach Drells mentioned that he's been playing guard, yeah. um, do you see him playing tackle at all? He yeah, he'll, he'll get out there, yeah. yeah we talked, uh, you know, we went through the process with him, we talked about you know, just being you know, multiple. I, I don't want guys, you know, I think one thing that is bad for offensive line players when they get isolated and they're like, I'm a left tackle, or I'm a left guard. Well. How do you know if you don't go try something new? And, and so we're going to move guys around. He, he's obviously been at guard the first four days, and we're going to move that around um, forward because you know the first two days you're in, you're in uh, the, the spider soft pads and, and we put shoulder pads on. Well, I want some comfortability when the pads go on because people forget about technique and, and they just want to hit each other. So it's kind of limited a little bit of the rotations and, and we're going to expand them as we go on.
2: There you go. Again, just a little bit more about expanding the rotations, which is what you expect, right? Like you have these guys that you start out with, and then you move on from there. Um, here's a – oh, ooh, this is a fun one. So you remember Phil McGagan. He went back. He watched every play. He's, he's been going back. He was watching Chase Penry's high school film, all that sort of stuff. Here's, a, here's Kyle DeVan's approach, which is very different.
3: I watch some games. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm, there's a lot of people that come up here and tell you they watch every play from every game the year before. I, I don't believe in that because now you're, 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 you have a vision of a player that was being coached and being taught by not by somebody else. So I watched it and I had a, you know, I had an idea, right? And then I wanted those guys to to show me who they are and who they want to become. And, and so, Jake, you know, obviously he knew he didn't have a great year and coaches hit on it. But his approach this off season has been, has been freaking unbelievable. You know, you talk about a guy that loves the game, loves the work, loves the, the, the development side of it.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you guys probably know this about me. That's it. That is not what I would do. <laughs> I would watch every play. I'd watch it six times if I had six guys out on the field. I might watch it 12 guys, twelve times if I have six guys out on the field. Um, but, again, you understand where he's coming from, especially when you consider what happened last year. So, again, I'm not like out on the approach. People do things differently, and you're going to have plenty of time to figure out what's working, what isn't, and all of that. Um, we got two more clips here. Oh, he was asked about the defensive line, and obviously an offensive line coach has a very unique perspective on the defensive line. Uh, so, so here's what he had to say about that.
3: I've been impressed with those guys. You know, you, you, uh, you know just the style of play they have and, and then the personnel they have. So I tell you what, you know, whether you're first group or second group, there's not, you know, for, from us, you know, the guys we block, there's not really a drop-off. You know, so if you're the second group, you know you might be like you might be down because you're the second group. But I tell you what, the, our second group at D line is damn good, and, and maybe just as good as the first group. So I think from a football team, from when Coach Darrell stands up here, it's a good thing for him. When I stand up here, you know, it's it, it makes it a little hard. So, uh, but I've really been impressed with with, with those guys, and and Joe's uh, done a great job uh, developing and getting them play hard.
2: Again, yeah, you want to hear they're playing well. There you go. You heard it. But, again, not much drop-off, that's interesting. That's interesting. And, you know, when you have a top line of Jalen Sami and Terrence Lang and Naeem Rodman, good defensive linemen who have quite a bit of experience and and some really great traits, some great talent as well, uh, to hear that those other guys are coming along behind them, it's what you want, especially because you know that at least two of those guys are probably gone next year. So you like that, and uh, you also like the idea that there's good competition all the way through. Uh, last clip, last clip of the day, and then and then I get to go to bed. So I'm pretty fired up. Uh, I asked him actually, like at this point, like what what are you working on? Like, it, it, are you spending more time working on like footwork and and hand placement stuff, or is it you know how do we pick up a blitz? How do when the, when the defensive line runs like a little old game? Like what 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 do you do? And I, I liked his answer.
3: You know, it's it's all progression based. So so we're gonna teach you a foundation, right? I'm gonna teach everybody how to drive block or an inside zone and reach block and down block. You're gonna have a, a base level of fundamentals, all right? And then and then I'm going to, then we're gonna start working on the movement, all right? Cause you can't block movement until so you can block the guy that just stands there. So you start there and then you get into movement and then you understand natural reactions to movement. And in, in the old line world, you know, you, there's robotic movement that everybody sees like you zone left and everybody's like, oh, look at the robots. Well that's true but when we get movement now we have to understand our natural reaction to that movement the guy goes inside me where do my eyes go so, so we've spent a lot of time of blocking static fronts especially in our O-line individual and then understanding. okay if this guy were to move my eye progression goes here and my body progression goes there and so they can understand and then as we build it as we get going then it's we'll just start blocking movement we have whether it's blitz pickup and pass protection or it's it's run game against movement, so it's it's all progression taught. Um and, and maybe that's not good, but I, I feel like we've got to learn how to block the person standing there and then learn how to block when he moves. So it's been good.
2: I like that. Again, it just seems like all these guys have a plan, right? Like they they understand we have fifteen practices, so we'll spend these doing this part and then we build and get to this part and this and it just makes sense. You know, I it's not like these are the toughest questions in the world, but it does seem like they have thought out what they are doing again it's I don't know that you give people points for that because it's their literal job, but we we all live through the twenty twenty one football season, and I'm still very much convinced that this. This team has taken a big step in the right direction, mostly just by changing over so much of its coaching staff, and in particular on the offensive side of the ball. You know we've mentioned this before, but Darian Hagan is the only one who's back. Everybody else is gone, and and I don't even necessarily think that they were all bad coaches, but you know everything was turned over. Now you have what you have, and I think that maybe even across the board you've upgraded, Uh, but. Again, that kind of remains to be seen. It is April, and so you can't get too far ahead of yourself. We'll see what happens. Uh, good stuff there. I think, uh, like I said, I still have to figure out who I want to talk to tomorrow. I have some ideas, um, but but basically I get four more before the spring game, and then we get back at it next week. So who do I need to talk to before the spring game is the big question that I will be answering the next nine or so hours, but you'll be hearing from them on the podcast tomorrow. We'll have Carl Durrell at the podium tomorrow, so so hopefully I'll, there'll be some good stuff worth sharing, or yeah, worth sharing with you guys from there. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk late tomorrow night again. Um, appreciate you all for listening as always. Oh, I haven't said this in a while. If you guys don't mind, throw that five-star review on the podcast down on iTunes or even if you write something, if you write something, I will uh I'm not I'm not making any promises tonight. I'll I'll be very happy with you. I'll say that. Um that's going to do it for today. We'll be back soon and we'll talk then uh about the buffs. There we go. Let's get out of here.